what kind of dog do you have? I have a pit bull, plain pit bull. Like, try to say like, oh, you know, he's a blue nose pit. And I'm just like, you know, he doesn't really like a thing. But I mean, sure, fine. Like, yeah, but it was just pit bull. The greater Swiss and Bernice. So we have a 16 year old poodle mutt. We don't know what the other part of him is. And then we have a one and a half year old Westapoo. So curly Q dogs. Yes. A Westapoo is a a West Highland Terrier and a Poodle. Why did you guys decide to get a dog? Well, our dog was eight and we wanted to get another one before he got too old. We got a dog like the first week we moved into our house as a married couple and we've always had dogs because we love them. I wanted a pandemic puppy. Um, basically, I figured if I'm going to be inside, right? And like, you know, for many reasons, you know, it, it gave me a reason to go outside. Like having, you know, a puppy would give me reason to go out, like go out, walk around, whatever. And it kind of like felt like this was the moment to just have a puppy. So yeah, because of COVID, I got a puppy. If COVID didn't happen, I would not have had a puppy. Where did you get your dogs from? The one dog we got, there was an ad in the paper. Their dog just had puppies and they were getting rid of their puppies. And the other dog we got from a breeder. Uh, we got the dog from a breeder we found online. Turns out it was a puppy mill. Um, we never got a dog from a breeder before, so we didn't normally know how it would work, unfortunately. So I got my dog from a breeder. Well, he's not really a breeder per se, but someone on Facebook who I know, I basically made a status saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for a pit bull. A couple people I know, a couple girls that I know, uh, pointed me to a few people. So we just got to talking, and then he kind of had what I wanted, and I, you know, kind of settled it that way. So it wasn't really a breeder, but someone from Facebook, mutual friends. And he just had like d puppies, or does he? Yeah, so he had puppies. Um, yeah, he just kind of had puppies. That was, that was just kind of his thing. Like, he had a litter, and he just said, hey. Was it his first litter, or is this something that he, like, does? Uh, I would I would assume it's his first litter. Um, it didn't really seem like he had, like, you know, many, uh, like, litters. Like, it didn't seem like he. this is something that he does all the time. It just kind of was like, hey, here's a litter. So your previous dogs, two of them, the first two were ads in the paper. Parents bought them for a... For their five-year-old, that five-year-old didn't take care of them well enough. And then another one from a breeder. That was Westy. That was actually Abby. Oh, okay, yeah. But you spelled it wrong. You spelled it with an E-Y, right? Right, right. I spelled okay. it right. Yeah. <laughs> so we've also had a pit bull terrier from Craigslist, from a family in Connecticut. Woo, Connecticut. <sighs> Did you ever consider getting a dog from a rescue? Oh, yes. Yes, we looked at all the time. I definitely did look around first. Yes, so we tried before we got Abby. Um, we went to try, to try to get a dog from a rescue. Um, I have allergies, so I do have some, you know, things that I have to have in a dog. So we kept filling out the applications and um, they kept denying me because I worked. Um, so even though like at the time we had, we had the dog we have now, um, and we also had who was a blind diabetic dog 
who required insulin twice a day, and I could actually tell by his behavior how much insulin he needed, and he lived a year longer than the vet thought he would, they would not let me have a dog because I was a working parent. Huh. So So that's when we went and got Abby from a breeder. Okay. Okay. But now that we're retired, we actually are looking for a dog now. And oh, we, we've been looking for a dog um, for about six months now. So we keep filling out all of the um, forms on like Pet Finder and, you know, all of those forms to try to get a dog. Oh, yay. Still alive. I know. And that's what kind of a, a made me mad when I wasn't fit to retire now. So now we would be able to get a dog because one of us would be home. Um, but that kind of got me mad. I'm like, our dogs live really long and we take really good care of them. So I don't think we should be judged just because we have a job. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not right. We looked a long time, but no, no luck. I did consider, but at the time, like it kind of felt like an inconvenience to kind of then go. It sounds, I totally sound like a jerk saying this, but it kind of sound, like it kind of felt like an inconvenience. Like it was like you have to schedule this appointment, like three weeks out, and then like and then this was kind of early too, right? Like so beginning of like this whole pandemic. So it kind of wasn't like it was kind of like they closed. So they were like closed for a little bit, and then like we didn't know when they would open back. So I was just like, all right. Another thing too is that a lot of them were older. So like year and a half the. The youngest one I saw was, I think, I want to say maybe like 10 months, maybe close to a year. It's very close to a year. So a lot of them, but most of them were like a year and six months, two years old, whatever. So. And you, you specifically wanted like a young puppy? Yeah. How long did you spend looking for the breeder that you ended up choosing? I found this one was intrigued by the mix of the two breeds we wanted. So I would say about a month. I kicked around the idea, like I was like thinking about the idea um, like early March. And then I kind of took it a, li- a bit more seriously, like the last two weeks of March. I was like, all right. Like the first two weeks of March, I was kind of like, all right, do I really want a dog? Like, am I really gonna like be able to like candle this? Like, is this gonna be something I can commit to? And then like the other two weeks I was like, all right, cool. I can do this, boom. And then, like, it worked out with the breeder that April 1st was the day I could pick him up, like, pick him up and bring him home. The one for the West Apu that we have now, actually, my found. So not very long because, and he did it because I, I was in a hard place in my career at that time. So he knew I was sad. So he looked up, my favorite dog was me. My other favorite dog was. So that's a poodle and a Westie. So I didn't even know there was such a thing as a Westapoo. So he found a breeder that had Westapoos that I could get that Saturday. Mm. So basically it was a 24-hour decision. How did you decide on this breeder? I couldn't find any other, honestly. Uh, All the reviews were pretty positive. This guy, uh, like, you know, they put his name down in the comment section. So I reached out to him and then I looked, we had a bunch of mutual friends. So I must know him like some, you know, there has to be like some line, some connection. So, and he's actually friends, like mutual friends, just like one of my best friends. 
<laughs> so he surprised you with the breeder then. Yeah. So were you way- able to? Oh. Oh. <laughs> were you able to visit um, the breeder's house or the facility that yes. he was from? Yes. No, actually. So this is the. Uh, this is actually the uh, like the kind of the gamble. No, it, it was all the way in Iowa, which was red flag. Now that I look back on it. Was it a house? Or it was. It was a house. Okay. Were you? Oh, sorry. No, Abby. go ahead. Just go ahead. Just go. <laughs> no, you. No, You're you. on a roll. Okay, fine. No, you. <laughs> Did you meet the dog's parents? Yes. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> well, you have to. Oh my God, Abby. Okay. Okay, We're... go then. <laughs> it was a really cute setup, actually, because she's a daycare as well. So the, the the puppies were always around kids. So it was really kind of neat. I liked how they had, like, they had it set up. It wasn't like a pet store. So I, I liked it. I would like to get a dog. I, I would like, however, to get a dog that, you know, needs a home. And we did find one, but they don't want me to have them. I'm difficult, right, Abby? <laughs> uh, he sent me a couple of videos, but like Facebook Messenger has terrible video quality for some odd reason. Um, so I got like, a, you know, I kind of just, it was based off just pictures and like maybe like two videos and they're like probably like 15 seconds. So I did not go to the home, but when I went to go pick them up, yeah, but I didn't go inside. Were you able to meet the puppy's parents and siblings? Yep, you were. And were they all friendly, the parents? Okay. Actually, we got the runt because that was the one that was left. But I always liked the underdog anyway. And he's doing really well. And um, when we were a little concerned just because, you know, you hear stories about breeders and things. Um, And but when we took him to the vets, like he didn't have any changes of his diet or anything. A lot of times they don't feed the dog's really high quality food. So then they get a little tummy ache when they come to the house, but he didn't have any of that. Oh, that's great. I know. No, I was sent pictures of the dog's parents. I didn't meet the dog's parents, but I did meet another pup in the litter. Um, the breeder was basically saying like, you know, he's a lot of work. And like this this guy like that you're gonna get, the runt, like, you know, he's the baby of it also. I guess since they were all the way in Iowa, you didn't get to meet the dog's parents or siblings? No, I didn't get to meet either of them. I really don't know too much about him, honestly. I didn't know that was a thing. Do you remember how old he was when you brought him home? He was really young, actually. Um, I want to say like seven weeks. He was seven weeks when I picked him up. Wow, that's pretty young. Yeah, really young. Really, really young. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't remember, to be honest with you. It's the age that you're allowed to bring a puppy home. So, like a baby baby? It was a puppy, yeah. Okay. Supposedly nine weeks. Did this breeder have um, an application or anything before you bought him? Yes. Yeah, they did. Um, No, he didn't have any app. Like, he didn't ask me a lot of questions, but the mutual friends we had kind of, like... I was kind of, you know, it kind of came off like a good word. I believe the questions were about our home, our other pets, and our lifestyle. Um, like, what kind of yard do you have? Who's at how many hours alone? Do you believe in crating? Um, how will the, the dog, especially West of Poos, they need um, about five to six miles 
of walking a week then the, the average ones you know like how much money would you spend to keep your pet alive <laughs> like once i got it um just about anything say so you've been denied by rescues were you ever denied by any breeders no i think that breeders really just kind of want the money were you ever denied by a breeder no no we weren't do you feel comfortable sharing how much money 500 wasn't much it was seven hundred dollars did they check any references like a vet reference or personal references i believe i believe they did a vet reference um but i don't think they did any personal references that's more from the rescues Oh, no, 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 no. But we we did speak about that. Though. He was just like, oh, like he mentioned like, oh, you know, this person, this person, this person. Okay. No, they didn't. There was no references. Did they send you home with any type of information? Yes. What? Um, okay. Like his, his records of when he had what shots um, for uh, his parents, you know, who, which one was a poodle, which one was not their age, all of that. What about like um, advice on, you know, how to handle a puppy or like tips, training tips, anything? Decompression. Yeah, I don't remember getting anything like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a puppy kit. It was papers of the parents and paperwork of the chip and the puppy. Oh, like a microchip? Yeah. Yep. Yep. He sent me home with the information of you know the food, um, what shots were already given. Um, you know. Did you spay and neuter him? Not spay and neuter. Is, neuter. How is she going to do both? How is she going to do both? <laughs> is he neutered? Yes, he is. Okay. Did um you do that because you chose to or because the breeder required it? I chose to. Okay. So they didn't send you um like any paperwork or anything to sign saying that you would neuter him i don't remember that no yeah we got it done at one and a half years did the breeder check to make sure that you that you did it no they disappeared <laughs> we know that you you said you didn't neuter him was that a problem for the person you got him from at all like was he concerned about that no he didn't care if you um decided to breed the puppy no. Yeah, no, he didn't really care. Um, yeah, he didn't. He didn't really care much. Um, I mean, if he did care, it kind of would have been weird because it was like, well, why? But it, it was open. Like he didn't really. There was really no like concern for it. Like he, I don't think he really asked me if I planned on neutering him. Why did you want this specific breed? Uh, we really wanted a big dog, and someone we knew has two Burmese Mountain Dogs. And we always loved them because they were just so friendly and goofy. My boyfriend loved it especially, uh, but we didn't we didn't want to deal with like the long hair. So we found the greater Swiss, and that was like a bigger, short hair version. Uh, we wanted the Burmese or greater Swiss because they were just so majestic looking, friendly, and we can live in the in the mountains with us in Vermont. It was about six months looking for this particular breed. So I had a poodle. That was the one that had diabetes. And then we actually put down, because um, had, she had a rare form of cancer, um, and there was nothing they could do. 
So um, on Thursday, so Friday, they he found me the West of Pooh, and on Saturday we got the West of Pooh. So there wasn't a lot of research. What about with the individual breeds, I guess? Um, well, I always wanted a Westie because when I was in elementary school, I read this thing during reading class about Westies being the smartest dogs. So <laughs> I got really excited when there was a Westie for sale. Um, and it was actually cheap because Westies are, um, a lot of people buy them for show dogs, but you know, that's not our, us. Um, and she had a stripe down her back, so no one wanted her. So that was cool. Um, like who cares? Right. And, um, he, I just fell in love with because he was obviously in a kind of abusive home and he was all matted and covered with fleas and it was just so sad and it, he was abused. So I just couldn't leave without taking him home with me. So you take those two favorite dogs and you mix them together and you find out there is one, that's what you get. I know people with pit bulls. I always kind of like pit bulls. So that was my thing. I always wanted a pit bull. And um, I also didn't want a dog that shed a lot. Like I, that's like one of my pet peeves, like having like, like going somewhere and like there's a load of cat hair, or like long dog hair on me. It's one of like my peeves, but you know, so with the shorter coat, it was kind of like, oh, this is also a benefit. But I always wanted a pit bull. Like I know for a fact I always wanted a pit bull. Um, I don't know. I've always kind of like, like I've always had like the back of my head, like, oh, like if I wanted a dog, it would be a pit bull. And I always like looked into it. So I can't really say how long specifically. So he gave them shots already? He did the first set of um, vaccines, but I didn't know where it was from. So I just said, I would rather just get him to a vet. So that way it's even documented. Cause like he knew somebody who, guess did oh. the I don't know. Okay, so, God. it wasn't done at a vet. It wasn't done at a vet. Um so <laughs> what? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It wasn't done, at least I don't think it was done at a vet. I'm not sure. I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But um but I didn't, you know, it didn't really phase me much because I knew I was gonna bring him to a vet anyway. So well that was a good call that you took him to the vet anyway. Yeah, I mean, I still wanted to get him checked for anything and like get the set of shots because I just wanted it all like documented, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So, but the vet was cool with it, you know. She basically was like, you know, no harm, no foul. We'll just start the set of shots, and then luckily we brought him to uh, the vet because he had an infection, uh, like a urinary infection, urinary tract infection, whatever. Uh, so we got his. You know, his medicine for it, his antibiotic. Two weeks later, he was good, and then first one of the shots. Does he have any health issues? I know you mentioned the cherry eye and then the UTI. Yeah, actually, he does. It. So, as I mean, well, you know, I guess pit bulls are more likely to develop uh, hip dysplasia. Mm -hmm. So, he had a test done because we got him insurance, but they wanted to have a test done from the vet. And he tested positive for the Ortolani test, which basically is like an early sign indicator of um, hip dysplasia. But hmm. yeah, but what the vet said though, the vet kind of was basically like, you know, not to worry too much about it because 
he's still developing. So he, all he would have to do is just develop more muscles and like his <clears throat> rear legs. Does he have any behavior? I know he's young, but does he have any behavioral issues? No, he's, it's actually kind of, um, kind of weird why like, you know, like he, he doesn't really have, like he, he's a saint. Like I, I, I honestly don't know how either because like, you know, this is my first go around with him, but he's amazing. Um, no, <laughs> no behavioral issues. Like I left town and like left him with a dog sitter and the dog sitter didn't want to give him back to him. He's, he's actually really amazing. So I don't know. <laughs> Very sick as a puppy, and we like to think we saved him, which makes us feel a little better about him, probably, coming from a puppy mill. Uh, he had fleas and worms. Oh my god. We complained, but never demanded our money back, unfortunately. And the worms caused a lot of da damage to his intestines, so he has to eat prescription food, which gets very expensive quickly, unfortunately. Oh wow! So he came. You said he had worms, fleas, and yeah, yeah, everything. And then the worms have done permanent damage to his stomach, so now we're stuck on the prescription food. Behavioral issues? No, he's an angel. Oh, that's good. Um, other than being a psycho, no. He's very active. He's very attached to me. So this me going back to work on Monday is not going to go well by him um but no he's like no, he's no he doesn't really have any issues and even though he's the runt of he was the runt of the litter all it means is he's a little um he's smaller than what you would expect but he like the vet says he's perfect size and everything so or wait if you plan on getting another dog where would you get your next dog uh, i mean we're definitely doing more research next time but we're gonna probably look on we look on Pet Finder all the time, but who knows? But for sure, not from another puppy mill. Hmm. We, we, yeah, well, we'll t we don't really want another puppy. We'd rather have like a one to one and a half, two-year-old. Um, so we're, we're going to keep trying to, you know, fill out all the paperwork and continually fill out the paperwork and just maybe get lucky. Uh, definitely adoption. And why is that? Um, because it's kind of like this high, like idea I have with kids, uh, like with children. It's kind of like, you know, they didn't really ask to be born, right? So, like, why not give them a home? So, that's kind of like, like, I'm kind of leaning more towards, like, or even, like, getting older dogs and just kind of, like, giving them, like, letting them just be comfortable. You know, when they go, they go. But having dogs in cages, though, like, like, you know, it just sucks, right? Like, rehoming a puppy or like if it doesn't work out you just kind of like say here you know it doesn't he like this dog doesn't fit my lifestyle kind of sucks right but i didn't know that like i didn't i wouldn't have known all these feelings if i already if i didn't have a puppy to begin with like my own dog right yeah mm -hmm. so, so yeah so next go around would definitely be adoption it is oh, really hard I'm to adopt a dog if you have something in mind which kind of stinks like, a, what did you say? It's kind of hard to adopt. I mean, the, the paperwork, like one one time, one place I was filling out the paperwork for, hour and 20 minutes. Filling out an application? Yeah. Huh. Like, I, I love my dogs. Love them. I'm a good mommy to doggies. 
Yeah. And the breeders' applications are are just not as like detailed, or like they're just not as many questions, or what? Well, like, why I, are they? Yeah, I think because I think the breeders are more doing it for money. Yeah. Mm. Like, like we had we we were offered a Westie out of an, a litter, and I'm like, I'm not no because the late it's just the lady. So the lady wanted a Westie, right? So in order to get it cheaper. She had to agree not to get her fixed, to let her get impregnated by this breeder. So she, so the dog, basically they pimped out their dog. I'm like, I'm not buying a dog from people who pimp out their dogs. No. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no. Hmm. Like, how could you do that? Give up your dog for a while just to get... Them yeah, and then have them until they're about ready to burst, and then let them go back. I mean, that's just no. Yeah, that's, I've never heard of that. That's so weird. Yeah, that's right. Odd. Couldn't do it. No. Nope. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought of one more thing. Did the breeder, any of your breeders, ever offer like a guarantee or a return policy? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I would never return my dog. Or like a. I don't know if they got sick, like I promise, like they won't or I'll pay for blah, 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 blah. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. That's why you don't get it from a pet store, right? Yeah. Pet stores suck. <laughs> and all the, the puppies are so sick. It's I know, but you kind of, they feel bad for them. They need a home too. I know. Yeah. Me and Abby were just arguing about this actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel. That. But if it, but if you buy them, then they're gonna keep. Yeah, supply and demand. Exactly. It's it's like it's a double edged sword. <laughs> yeah, I can't even go into those places. I know. So you wouldn't buy a dog from a, um, a puppy store. Oh, no. Mm. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you have any other like big, you know, things as to why you like buying dogs <laughs> no but if you guys can influence the people into um telling them to be a little more lenient with people who will take care of their dogs that would be awesome yeah i think that's a really interesting point to bring up um it shouldn't be difficult to adopt a dog you know, they obviously have to cover all their bases and make sure the dog is going into a good home. But it shouldn't be an hour, a days long process of filling out paperwork to adopt a dog because then people are just going to go the easy route and buy one. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. And also, like, we literally have been looking for a dog, a third dog, because Scully wants someone to play with besides me. Um, and the 16 year old isn't really, you know, he's blind. He doesn't really play anymore. Um, but it's, it takes forever and there's so, it's just, I don't know. It's just sad. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So. That was super informative and interesting. I think we learned a lot from them. Yeah, and I, I, I think, um, you know, 
we really had the different scenarios that people get their puppies from, you know, random people, random person who just had puppies, potentially a kind of breeder guy, and then a kind of puppy mill situation. So I think we, we covered a lot of our bases there. Um, but you know, even if you get your puppy from the best case scenario, right? Best case scenario would be, you know, puppies are raised in a home. The parent dogs are pets. Um, they're socialized, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, still, uh, <laughs> still, you shouldn't get your dog from them. Because um, at the end of the day, which we're going to discuss right now, which is why we're talking about it. (laughs) At the end of the day, there's tens of thousands of dogs being euthanized in shelters every single day because there's just too many of them. So to, you know, support somebody or put your money towards a cause that's producing more puppies when there's dying ones because there's too many is just fundamentally wrong yeah you know it's not so much all the dogs were you know treated really nicely they really love the breed okay there's still dogs dying so until there's no more dogs dying in shelters because there's too many of them I will never be in support of any type of breeder for any type of animal ever yeah and and people will often say like well if we stop breeding them then dogs will go extinct is that what you want you don't want people to have pets anymore and you know it's this is always uh, it's a it's a false dichotomy because that's never going to happen and when it happens we can talk about it then but and if we solve the problem even in the u.s we are in our lifetimes in our kids and our grandkids lifetime never going to solve the problem of homeless animals in other countries. So it's this it's not an issue for us to talk about yet of if dogs go in, in extinct. You know, um it's just not going to happen, so in my opinion it's not worth discussing. Yeah. So, um just to give some facts, um Six and a half million companion animals are in U.S. animal shelters nationwide. Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 3.3 million of these animals are dogs and 3.2 million are cats. So like pretty much half and half split dogs and cats in shelters. Um, Each year, one and a half million shelter animals are euthanized. So killed (laughs) because there's not enough homes for them (sighs) yeah that's a lot of animals being senselessly killed and it's like I don't even people are, are very quick to be like well that's a false dichotomy because I wouldn't have been able to save that animal because da, 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 da. but you have to understand that by <laughs> producing a surplus of animals like you're directly 
fueling this insidious process. Yeah, just by basic supply and demand, but also by, okay, if you, if I chose to go to a breeder for my puppy, right, I'm supporting, you know, a business that's producing more of animals that shouldn't, you know, a surplus, like Abby said, but then I'm also not making any more room in a shelter. So by adopting a dog from a shelter, you know, you're saving that individual dog, but also you're freeing up space for that rescue to take in another dog. Yeah. You're essentially, you're saving two. So, you know, you're supporting something bad and then you're taking the home essentially away from a shelter dog. Yeah. Um, and it's all connected, you know, like, oh, the kill shelters and the no kill shelters. They're all oh, connected. Yes. You, you so, should talk about that because that's, that was super interesting to me. So a lot of people, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I don't like that shelter. It's a kill shelter, right? Which means mm-hmm. that they euthanize the animals. It's not the shelter's fault. <laughs> um, you know, say they can house 200 dogs there. Where do you want them to put them all? They don't. A lot of the shelters that, you know, are kill shelters, they're open admission shelters, meaning that they cannot turn away any animal. So if they get... <laughs> A hundred dogs that day, they have to accept each and every one of those 100 dogs. So then they give the dogs and the cats, you know, a few days to get adopted. A lot of the places are 72 hours. And then if they don't, then they have to make room for the other ones and they have to euthanize them to do this. Um, The shelters that say, oh, we're no kill shelters. Guess what? They're not open admission shelters. So if they are already at capacity and someone asks for them to take a dog, they can say no. And then guess what? That dog goes to a kill shelter and is going to get euthanized. They aren't the ones who did it, but they have the power to say no. So, And I think, is that is that a funding thing? So if you're an open admission, you can get certain types of federal grants and stuff? Or is that, like, just a different status? Like, Girl, I don't know. I think it's just kind of a necessity, though. You have to have places that are going to say yes. Because mm-hmm. if every place had the power to say no, then we would have animals on the street. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no. People shit all... It just really upsets me that people shit all day long on kill shelters and... A kill shelters. <laughs> <laughs> and... But we'll buy from a breeder. Like, you literally are are the one contributing to this. Like... And it's Literally. like, where do you want them? I got into, I, I get into arguments with people all the time. And they're like, well, they're just going to like, they're going to use it. Where do you want them to put them? Where do you want these, the government, where do you want the people to put these animals? Yeah. Where do you want them to put them? A lot of people criticize PETA for this too, which we won't get into. But it's like, let's pretend for argument's sake that PETA, when they rescue these animals, they euthanize them. Where, where do you want, you have 500 animals you save in a month and you have space for 100 animals. Where do you want them to go? Literally. Right now we're dealing with, in our, in our nonprofit that we haven't started yet, we're dealing with red-eared sliding turtles. And I was reading, well, I know, but okay, red-eared sliders. Red-eared sliding turtles. I think I could say that. No? I don't think so. Why? 
<laughs> I'm gonna kill you. Red eared sliding turtles. <laughs> Whatever. We have red eared sliders, which is a turtle. <laughs> I hate you. And I was reading that often main euthanasia is the most feasible option because there's literally so many and nobody wants them because they live for 40 years and people get them and want them for you know a year two years three years and then they're like okay what do I do with this now what do you where do you want them to go if that if that bothers you what what is your solution yeah I mean this is kind of a different conversation because then it's like well what's what better what's a better life for it living on the street potentially or in a shelter for the rest of its life or just being killed no but but where is the shelter you're gonna build a shelter if you have, if you have in the whole United States, if there's only enough kennels for a million dogs and you, and you take in three million dogs, where are you putting them? Mm-hmm. The street. But it's illegal, right? So what, are we going to change the federal law? Okay, good luck yeah. with that, you know? Yeah, so it's, you know, support literally any local shelter. This says um, that the, the open admission are usually their municipal animal control agencies and so they're legally required to take them because they might be funded by the government or whatever it's like if you call animal control and say hey i see a loose dog they can't come and and then say oh we don't have room for it today they have to take it where do you think it's gonna go if nobody wants it you know Mm -hmm. okay that was a little tangent but under the impression that most people got their dogs from shelters but then I came to a realization that is actually the opposite only 23% of dogs are adopted from shelters the other the rest of them are adopted from breeders or private parties or from like friends or relatives or you know people who quote just had puppies okay so over 70% of dogs are bought from these types of situations which is an issue. So before you mentioned, you know, you kept saying, what's the solution, right? You don't want to kill dogs. So then where do you want them to go? Hello? Oh, you're typing. You're on mute. Um, oh, I guess I'm still recording. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, you know, wait for Abby to come back because I don't want to hear that this like wasn't recorded. Hello? Hey. Hey. Uh, Sorry, um, I got a call. What she said. He was just, uh, I'll tell you later. Okay. So earlier, Abby, you mentioned what's the solution, right? You know, we don't want these dogs on the streets. You don't want them being euthanized in shelters. What's the solution? Yeah. What is it? The solution is... (laughs) Spaying and neutering your dogs. So what? What? Only ten percent of the animals oh received by shelters have been spayed or neutered. So that's an issue. So, you know, shelters get their dogs as strays mostly, or by owner surrenders, or from like cruelty cases. Only ten percent of these animals have been spayed or neutered. So what does that mean? Ninety percent are just you know running around with their junk, producing babies. <laughs> 
That's yeah. it. So if you want to step one in stopping, you know, this crisis is spaying and neutering your dog. That's- oh, but Sarah and Abby, aren't you like animal activists? Like, shouldn't you be against forced like surgeries? Like, aren't you like intactivists? Okay, interesting argument. Um, yeah, but you know, you want to talk about pros and cons and the quality of life for my animal. I'd rather have a male dog that I don't have to deal with his hormonal testosterone fueled behaviors, which is going to make him stressed out potentially. And also, I don't want to have to be constantly staring at him and mindful of every single interaction that he has ever with any dog ever. You know, I like to take him to the park and see him run around and not have to say, oh my God, is your dog spayed? Because my dog's not neutered. You know, like, well, but people will say, well, if they want to mate, you should just let them mate. Okay, but that's irresponsible. Like, you, you have to be realistic here. And, you know, when it comes down to it, humans created this problem. So, yeah, you know what? <laughs> there has to be some sacrifices made. Your animal wants to have sex. Okay, sorry. But once you get them neutered, they won't want to do that anymore. Exactly. And, again, that's another issue with where some people give animals and dogs more credit than I don't want to say more credit than they deserve where some people give animals, you know, anthropomorphize them, anthropomorphize them in ways that just aren't true. You know, I don't think that if you neuter your dog, they're going to think about the sex that they never had. Um, Why? Because they're a dog. Um. (laughs) Yeah. It's that, yeah, they don't have prefrontal cortex. They can't, they, they think not, about the now. They're not thinking about sex that they've never had or even sex that they had when they're neutered. Um, so step one, spay and neuter your dog. And you know what? Donate to organizations that fund spays and neuters of rescue dogs because that's, like, really important. So a common argument for why people like to say that they want to get their dog from a breeder is because <laughs> they want purebreds, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so purebreds nowadays pose a major issue. So originally, you know, when we were started, you know, breeding and domesticating dogs, the dog, the different dog breeds were created to serve a purpose. We had hounds to, you know, sniff and find people. We had um, guard dogs to protect properties. We had you know, search and rescue dogs. We had herding dogs to protect livestock. We had, um, what other dogs we had? Hunting dogs to go, the different, the different um, types of hunting dogs, the dogs that point, then we have the, the dogs that retrieve, all bred for different purposes. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, um, a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people don't use dogs for the purposes that they were bred for, right? So we're breeding dogs now mostly for looks and mostly for, I guess, temperament that makes them a good, quote, family pet, okay? Um, so breeding them just for looks and breeding them just with this very narrow temperament in mind is an issue because now... You know, we're not breeding dogs to be healthy. When we were breeding good hunting dogs and good working dogs, we needed dogs that were physically fit, right? That were going to do the job. Now, what are we breeding them for? We don't care about their physical fitness. Um, We care about their looks. And what does that do? Narrows the gene pool. So 
in any species, you want genetic diversity because genetic diversity creates, you know, a healthier species. It, it prevents, you know, how do I explain genetic diversity? Um, the thing with the island, like if you separate um, a species onto a tiny island and then you only have, well, genetic diversity is literally just like on a, on a large scale incest. A lack of, yeah. a lack of gen- genetic diversity is why incest is illegal. Yes. Um, and lack of genetic diversity in the case of purebred dogs is a recipe for, um, genetic illnesses like hip dysplasia, um, certain types of cancers, certain types of stomach problems in dogs, eye problems. Um, you want your dogs to be genetically diverse. So, um, I mentioned hip dysplasia. Labs are prone to hip dysplasia and it's just, you know, an issue with their hips and it affects them mostly as they get older, but sometimes even as young dogs. German shepherds. German shepherds. So breeders then might say, okay, I'm going to breed out hip dysplasia, right? So I'm going to not breed these two parents. I'm going to breed out the hip dysplasia gene, right? Sounds responsible. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing when you do that? Lowering the, narrowing the gene pool. Even more. So now you're Mm -hmm. making it even smaller of a gene pool, even less genetic diversity. So that's a major issue. Um, Yeah, so. Dachshunds. Dachshunds with their short legs. Um, Fucking Australian shepherds. Um, Bull terriers. I was about to say that. You, uh, You get really upset with that one neurological problems they'll spin in circles so many of them have this it's really sad um okay so breathing issues yeah french bulldogs are a breed that you know most people love because they are really cute i can't lie to you i i see i don't think they're cute i really don't i promise like i'm not even lying no i think they're cute so french bulldogs cannot breed or give birth naturally so Short legs, compact bodies. They have really narrow hips. The male can't properly mount the female. Okay. And then when it's time to give birth, the female can't give birth because she has such a narrow birth canal. So nothing about this breed is remotely natural. So it is not healthy. There was actually a a French bulldog at my old job. And I feel really bad. But he used to like sit down and rub his penis. With his paw. And I would like crack up and I'd be like, what the heck? He's like masturbating. What the heck is this? You know, I Googled it. It's because their shorts, their, their snouts are so short. They can't properly groom themselves. So they have to like touch it. it it's, it's just not right, bro. <laughs> and the breathing, they, they all can't breathe, right? Yeah, they get, um, what's that called? There's a fold of skin that, like, go, pugs get it. Yeah, brachy, brachy, brachycephalic airway obstruction. Yeah, so, yeah, all the brachycephalic breeds. So, like, pugs, bulldogs, French bulldogs, anything with a smushed in face. Yeah. Um, it's an issue. Um, according to the study, well, yeah, a study by Claire Maldarelli. 
Ooh. He said that purebred dogs not only have increased incidences of inherited diseases, but also heightened health issues due to their bodily frames and shapes, such as hip dysplasia in large breeds like the German Shepherd and St. Bernard, and patellar luxation or persistent dislocation of the kneecap in toy and miniature breeds. So, you know, actually, funny story, I had a friend when I just adopted Russell, he was thinking of he was going to get a purebred dog. And when they brought their purebred dog home, you know, my dog was like snoring. And he said to me, oh, yeah, like try, trying to tell me that Russell wasn't going to be healthy because he was a mutt and that purebreds are really healthy. When really it is the exact, exact opposite. If you want a healthy dog, go to your local shelter and find the dog that literally you cannot identify any breed in it. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like a generic dog. The more you can identify what it is, the healthier it's going to be. Um, Abby's dog, Pharaoh, how long did he live? Um, 16. Okay, and what kind of dog was he? I don't know. Literally, we don't know. <laughs> um, Diesel, my dog, he's 15 and he's a mix. We think of only two, but who knows? Where do you see purebreds living 15, 16, 17 years old? I haven't. Actually, that golden retriever, she was like 20, but she's a red One. Um, no, and, and it's like, and maybe that like, okay, and, and people will say, oh, but the, the breed will die out. I mean, it's like the original purpose that the original reason why humans created these breeds or whatever we don't do that anymore. When when somebody is getting a border collie, they're generally not getting it to herd sheep on their farm. They're trying to make it a family pet, and then they're going to be pissed off when it has a ton of energy and then anxiety because it's living in a house, and it's like, what am I doing? Um, your purebred doesn't have behavior issues. Your purebred is <laughs> bored. Um, water dogs there's a lot like a lot of people will get literal breeds that like the Portuguese water dog for example they love water but then they get people will get upset Whoa. They... <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're really common around here yeah Portuguese water dogs w- water dogs but then the owners will get upset when they jump in puddles and stuff they're a water dog yeah your golden retriever like wants to go swimming, yeah, because he wants to re- he wants to retrieve something from the water. Yeah, so it's um, like that's not the worst thing in the world if these breeds do go extinct. And also, if you just Google like the difference between how the breeds were um, originally and how they are now, they're totally well, even a hundred years ago. That, that that's what, yeah, hundred years ago. Yeah. Like they're not the same, so it's like, what are you talking about? Like you're you're literally just making shit up right now. We're making abominations. Like literally, a hundred year ago graphic, which we'll post maybe on our one of our social medias. Um, super interesting because like the bulldog, for example, was not originally did not look like how it looks. Like a bulldog was. A, a really good guard dog and um, athletic boxers. Like these are athletic 
active dogs that were not squatting around with their squished in face. Dachshunds, yeah, their legs were always short because they were bred to hunt small animals, right? And go into holes, if I'm, not, if I'm correct, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, were they bred to have fucking nub legs and not be able to run? No, I'm pretty and sure they had to run pretty fast. And then, yeah, and then if they even get, like, one pound overweight, their back breaks. Yes. Like, but then so if you if you are you know a i want a dachshund i love i want a border collie uh, whatever um i'm looking in sarah's notes here 25 percent of dogs in shelters are purebred so where do dogs in shelters come from people who don't want them anymore yeah so some are owners under some are strays now as we've talked about most dogs people get from breeders so if dogs are strays they came from somewhere so you will find purebreds in rescues you like and what what grinds my gears is when people buy dogs that are so common german shepherds how many Mm -hmm. purebred german shepherds are in rescue a a million so many so puppies, German Shepherd puppies under six months old, because what happens? People get them for their kids, right? They buy them and then it gets too big. Okay. So there's your German Shepherd puppy. Just be a little patient. Labs, black, really? People are out <laughs> here buying black lab puppies? <laughs> what? People are out here buying pit bull puppies. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I can maybe you might have me if you told me that you really wanted a Peruvian Inca orchid. That's her favorite dog. I love it. Or a Chinese, maybe not even a Chinese crested, but like something random, like an Alaskan Klee-Klee or something. Oh I'd be God. like, okay, you got me there. You might, but have not to be even. Like, you might have to be really patient and travel a little far. Yeah, but like. Literally, who has ever said that? Who? What are the dogs that people buy from breeders? Labs, pit bulls, German shepherds, doodles. Um, yeah, doodle. Oh, yes, poodles. Oh, let me make a point about doodles. Talking about purebreds. <laughs> God, Lord. Okay, so people are obsessed with purebreds, right? Because mutts yeah. are like dirty and unhealthy. Yeah. How come people spend an exorbitant of amount dollars. of money? Literally, this person that I know that I met today actually <laughs> spent thousands of dollars, was waiting two years long for this dog. Not gonna lie, he's cute. It's like, what, what mix is he? He was like a Bernadoodle, Labradoodle, Golden Retriever, like a literal mutt <laughs> that they paid all this money for. It had me dying. Yeah, like. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and if you're really that obsessed with the breed, honestly, like I just want I sometimes just want to be like get off your high horse. Like I don't care if you want a Rottweiler. I don't. Yeah, cuz at the end of the day, look at the reason why you want that specific breed. Cuz most likely you're not doing work with it, you know. Um 
not everybody. I do know people who hunt with their dogs and who do cool things with their dogs. More power to you. Uh, hunting is not a cool thing to do with your dog. Just well, maybe like it sounded hunting. like like like. Well, they're giving their. It's cool for the dog because no, the dog but, was naturally bred okay. To do yeah, that. but like you're hunting. Okay, but like it's the dog is hunting. No, I know, but it sounded like you were like. Okay, yeah, hunting's bad, but like if you're no, but your also dog... the dog doesn't get to kill it. Aren't they just supposed to alert and then you shoot it? Because well, you're you hunting have, like, for fun. Dog, if you have like a pointer, they'll alert you to it. But then if you have like a retriever, mm-hmm. after you shoot it, they bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. All right, we're cutting that. <laughs> yeah, but most people aren't like going to the the dog shows, and like most people want a good family dog, <laughs> like we said before. So, what? A golden retriever is a stereotypical good family dog. But then where are these people getting their golden retrievers? A puppy store? Really? Okay. Oh. Mm. Did I yeah. hit him where it hurts? No, I mean. I, I, I... Like. You can't go to a puppy behavior. store. I want to talk about behavior for a sec. Okay. Like, I just want to talk about, like, puppies and socialization. Okay. Okay. Might be a tangent. Yeah. Um, fine. So, like, I want to talk more about this I want a good family dog thing. What it really irks you. What makes – because I just want to know what people's thought process is. What makes you think that you can go to a puppy store where this puppy is now three months old, lived in a cage its whole life, p- pissing and shitting in its cage and laying in it? Okay. Yep. Having people touching it all day long. You don't know where its parents are. What makes you think that that puppy's going to be a good family dog? And what makes you think that this breeder that you heard great things about but meets you on the side of a highway with three of the puppies in the back of a pickup truck, what makes you think that that puppy is going to be a good family dog? I'm confused. Wouldn't you rather meet a... Wouldn't you rather go and do do some freaking searching at rescues and meet all of the adult dogs in their final adultness with their yeah. personalities there and like meet them and see how they are with your kids now? Like, isn't that how you find a good family dog, bro? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. Another thing that we hear a lot is that the the applications on for rescues are too intense and that you know it's too much work to get from a shelter but think about the implication of that I guess it's like why why is it that way um and if you're not willing to put in that extra time to like fill out the application then like what you know what does that say about your your commitment to actually wanting to get a pet um if a breeder isn't checking your references they're not sending you home with any information then again like how sarah was saying how does that how does that reflect that you're getting a quote nice family dog or even a a healthy dog um if they don't care whether you spay and neuter your dog again 
They don't care about perpetuating the cycle. They don't care about what, what ends up happening to their dog. And, and maybe you are one of those people who is going to be like a backyard breeder that everyone who we interviewed said like they would never go to. Maybe maybe you were going to be that. Like, How would the person you bought from know if they didn't speak to you about breeding and whether or not you're going to do that? There's a reason like there's a reason why there's a process. You know, um, Mm -hmm. adopting an animal shouldn't, it shouldn't be easy. It really shouldn't. Because how many times, you know, at the end of the day, you obviously think that you're going to be a good dog owner, right? But Mm -hmm. how many people abandon dogs? Why do dogs end up in shelters anyway? Because people put them there. Because they were abandoned. Because people let them out one day. Whatever. Because they were irresponsible and their dog ended up biting somebody. Um, they have to make sure that you're a good fucking dog owner. So, you know, to not, you should be happy if the process is long, because that means that you're going to get what you want, which is a quote, what good family dog. (laughs) And then like, uh, in terms of, you know, people, Mm, I just, mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I really don't get, I don't get the stigma around shelter dogs. Like, I get, you know, I mean, are people just having in their head, like, the pound images that from, like, old Disney movies, like, Lady and the Tramp, when he gets, like, thrown in the in the pound and, yes, I you think. know, the dogs are unlocking the cages with their paws and then, like, they release everybody? Like, is that what well, people just people think? Well, people probably think these dogs are in the shelter because somebody else gave them away. Why'd they give them away? Something's oh. wrong with it. You know? Yeah. Um, why is this dog here and they're you know mostly adult dogs but do you want to talk about what your friend said yeah um and andretti who we interviewed uh gave us a, a lot of helpful information actually about like kind of why or the mentality behind buying a puppy actually is like i guess there's there's this idea that um you know, one years old and two years old is already like too old for a dog. And even um, River had mentioned that, like, they were very interested in, in getting, um, they said a young dog, they said they didn't want a puppy. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, like one, two. But what they meant was like, like, definitely under one. So like, I think, you know, we definitely need to shift uh, how we, how we view Dogs and dog development, like, one, two, three, four years old is still a puppy. Like, they're still acting like a puppy. They're still chewing everything. Sarah will tell you um, that Russell is still Mm -hmm. chewing everything. Daisy is just turned four in August. She's still very, like, puppy-like. She still has accidents sometimes. Like, that's not old for a dog. And it's, like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I think people really, really believe that. Um, we were talking to somebody that we tried to give Sarah their business card and they were like, well, he, he's four. Um, or or did they say two? They were like, he's two. Isn't that too old to, to learn something new? And we were like, um, no. Yeah. A lot of the people that I've helped, I'm being generic. (laughs) Um, they asked me that they're like, is this even possible? Because he's old. So, like, yeah, reinforcement history but old, is a thing. But old being, like, two. Old being, yes. <laughs> um, like, like, are you going to get a 10-year-old dog who has, 
who has greeted the same person in the same exact way for all 10 years of its life to stop greeting him in that way. I mean, it's going to be challenging. Uh, yeah, because like, like, yeah, reinforcement history is a thing. That's why I ask, you know, how long has this been an issue? And how old is the dog? If you have a six month old puppy that started um, barking at every person that walks by within the last week, that's going to be a lot easier than a 10 year old dog who's been barking at people for eight years long that you're just now trying to solve the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, again, nature and nurture. <laughs> your best bet with getting your, your, your good family dog is to get a dog, an adult, let's say between two to five, right? Yeah. That, well, yeah. Yeah. Or older. Or older. Anything over, like, I'd say two. Because mm-hmm. then you're out of the puppy annoyingness. And then, you know, just meet these dogs because their their personality, there's going to be no surprises. That's the issue with puppies. You know, yeah. you can get whoever fancy pants doodle schmoodle that you want <laughs> that ends up, you know, potentially being genetically predisposed to not liking other dogs or being extremely fearful, which has been my experience. Right. Um, and then what your little puppy, you weren't prepared to deal with that. And now that's a surprise that you have to deal with. My dog growing up was not, he was reactive and he's. Wow. Sarah, you've adopted two puppies. Is there something you want to like complain about? Yeah. I love puppies, bro. I'm just kidding. Um, there's surprises that come along with getting puppies. Just because you get a puppy and you raise it, say you raise them perfectly and you know everything about socializing dogs, you can still end up with a dog who doesn't like other dogs or a dog who's anxious or whatever. You go to the shelter and you get an adult, you know exactly what you're signing up for. You know that this dog is reactive already and you can decide if you want to work with it. You know that this dog is a perfect angel sent down from heaven and you got lucky. Great. You know? Like, yeah. Okay. The exact reason that we picked Pharaoh was because, uh, well, I didn't pick him. My parents went to the shelter without me after they saw a million dollar baby. And there was one scene that was two minutes long with a dog. And they were like, Abby needs a dog. Okay. Random. They went to the shelter and Pharaoh was the only dog not barking. They knew they wanted a dog that didn't bark a lot. Cause our neighbor used to have a dog that barked like all the time. So they were like, Oh, he doesn't bark that's like something we were looking for a puppy you're not gonna know even you can you can <laughs> oh my god like you can get them from a puppy and they you, you're not gonna know like okay literally me right now <laughs> literally me right now yeah let's talk about me right now I got a puppy he was past the critical period of socialization by the time I got him okay so then that's, that's another issue, but I would say that I'm pretty knowledgeable and I pretty much did everything pretty well. I would say, um, better than the average person would do. Right. Mm-hmm. And my puppy is very high energy and likes to destroy things and is super, super, super fearful of new people. Can I trust? And, and kids, very, mm. very fearful of kids. And guess what? At the first adoption event that I met him at, when he met kids, he was sitting in a kid's lap. 
I know for a fact, because he's my child, that he had no bad experiences with kids since I've had him, but that something developed, maybe, you know, something discreet that maybe I didn't pick up on right away. You know, maybe we did walk by a kid and a loud noise happened, whatever. But my dog is now triggered and is scared of kids. That is something that I wasn't prepared for. That's something that wasn't there when I got him. So that's an example. Had, you know, I, this, had he been in the shelter and then I got him now at this age, I would have seen all these these behaviors and I would know. If I got an older dog, I would have mm-hmm. seen these behaviors already because he would be an adult and he would be mature. And I would have seen all of these. And you can make a more concrete decision on what you're equipped to deal with and what you're willing to deal with, you know? Yeah. And I think people, like your friend mentioned, people are under the misconception that it's more work to bring an adult dog into your family. Yeah, and it's absolutely um, not. It's the opposite. Again, because you already know if the, if the rescue did, you know, a good evaluation, you already know what you're getting yourself into. And also, they're going to, a lot of times these dogs already know how to learn, right? So when you get a puppy, you have to teach them how to learn mm, also. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole learning curve. Um, you get an adult dog, they already have the world figured out. Potty training, maybe you bring a dog home from a, like, stereotypical shelter, so maybe they're not potty trained. That dog will be potty trained within a week. Mm-hmm. Some puppies will be potty trained within a week, but, like, not. Will your adult dog be waking up and screaming in the middle of the night? No, they won't. So, you know, I personally still really like puppies. (laughs) I think that I'm going to adopt puppies in the future because I really like the idea of socializing them and, you know, when they're really, really young like that. But for people who, you know, most of the people that I deal with who aren't equipped to deal with don't have the time to spend socializing their puppy and don't want to and they just want their dog and they don't want to do any work your best bet is to shop around for an adult dog like you can literally shop around for a dog that you know will be good with you like I people don't look people what... look for cars longer than they look for dogs literally yeah like yeah. There have been, and, and, and this isn't to say that every dog in a shelter is going to be easy either. A lot mm-hmm. of these dogs, and, and this is all about your time commitment, you know, but there are certainly dogs that are gems that come into the shelter and are just perfect. Like Ricky, right? Mm. Like Ricky was a dog that my boyfriend adopted. And literally the worst thing she did was have an accident in the house. Like, she was perfect with people, like, neutral around other dogs, just, like, amazing. Didn't do anything naughty, didn't chew anything, was just, like, an angel. hmm Like, that was a gem. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the other thing about shelters is that they all, I, I'm pretty positive, all of them, if not 99% of them will take the dog back if you decide you it's not a, a good fit. You can do a trial period too. Yeah, but but they will take the dog back if it's not a good fit. Breeders will often either like how we saw with Steve disappear 
Um, we saw with River, they didn't make a guarantee or anything like that. Um, and it's a um, business. So, like, they're yeah. not going to want to take their dogs back, and they're not going to want to help you. At the end of the day, I don't think that most breeders have the best interest of the dog in mind. Um, yeah, and our breeder even said that. She said that she recognized that she was a, an exception to the rule in that she, um, you know, cared about the dogs. She would take them back. She actually did take one of hers back um, and ended up keeping him for a while. But she, she acknowledged that it, it is literally about the money for most, pe- for most breeders. Yeah, because think about it. These people could charge how much? $3,000 a puppy? Um, you could get away with it. Yeah. Well, um, like, yeah, like right now, let me look up. Okay. Let's say a thousand. Retriever puppy. You can make, like, a lot of money. Top quality. <laughs> Ew. Non-refundable deposit is $500. Ooh, so I wonder how much the child is. Itself. If you breed without permission, you have to pay $1,000 per puppy that is conceived. <laughs> what? Oh. Holy. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I think people are impatient. And I think, you know, maybe a lot of getting dogs to people is really impulsive, you know? But at the same time, no, because I've heard of people waiting, being on a waiting list for <gasps> two years. What? <gasps> what? Don't. Two female, three weeks old, golden, $3,999. Okay, so that's for a fucking golden retriever. Like, (laughs) it's really easy for these people to just get corrupted by money, like... Yeah, that's crazy money. Cause they have what eight puppies a uh, a litter. Yeah. Dwight Golden Retriever two weeks, three thousand five hundred ninety nine. Yeah. So say you're making, let's say you're making three thousand dollars a puppy, and they're having at least five puppies. You're making at least fifteen thousand dollars a litter. So then that means you would be able to have if you had seven litters a year, so less than one litter a month which is really doable, you would be making over $100,000 a year. Yeah. And like, and that's only if you have what? Ew, bull mation? Ew. Oh okay, I God. swear, these mixes that people come up with, like... Cavapoo, Chewini, Champion Bloodliness, what's Bloodlines, that? Bloodlines, sorry. <laughs> I can't speak. Bloodliness. Three thousand five hundred ninety nine for a cockapoo. Oh, so a mix. I was gonna say too. Um, what was I gonna say? What was I gonna say? No, you love me. No, stop. You talk. Um. No. So, like, the bottom line. I think we did a lot of like jibber jabbering. The bottom line is that you know. There's so many dogs everywhere. Why continue to produce dogs when there's already a surplus, right? And what are we doing with that surplus? We're literally killing them. And it's like, 
you know, as, like animals, dogs, cats, they're not commodities that you should just be able to go and put your name on a freaking waiting list and get it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, Cool. And, you know, people say, oh, well, I want it for this reason or that reason. There's no good reason to buy a dog and um, whatever. Re- oh, this is what I was going to say. So another another issue with these purebred dogs and designer breeds is that the AKC has breed standards. Now, why does that matter? Because the breed standards often involve body modifications. So if you're getting a purebred, then you are buying a dog that has been modified. Because if they haven't, then they can't qualify as a, um, a certified dog under the AKC. So for example, a Doberman has to have a docked ear and a docked tail. So unless your Doberman has that, you're not, like, you might as well not have it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what I'm saying is, it's an issue to buy these dogs because they have been, we're saying, oh, they're not a a Doberman pincher unless they have a docked tail and cropped ears even though when they're born they have regular ears and a regular tail like how does that even make sense yeah like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah um you know and any justification of this is like just is just absurd you know there's nothing about health benefits it's all about the breed and you know if the breed goes extinct then uh, like I mean what's your position on that when people are like okay but what no but like I feel like it's just not even going to happen ever if the breed goes extinct, Saint well, then, Verdugo. You know, you have to think about, huh, huh. So if the breed goes extinct, then you have to just think about, you know, animal welfare and the price of keeping animals as pets. Like, well, not not okay. not animals, but I meant the breed. Like, if somebody is like, "Well, I just love the breed of," like for example, our our breeder that we interviewed. Um, fell in love with Weimaraners. I think some people would argue. Honor. What? Did I say Wymer it wrong? Weimaraners. How do you say it? Weimaraner? Weimaraners. That's not how you say it. I don't know, bro. Whatever. honors. She fell in love with that breed. So I think there are some people that would argue, like, if that specific breed went extinct then that would be like bad so what what is your response to that yeah so that i was i was i was saying that i was explaining that well no but you're saying like pets in general but yeah so do you want to continue breeding an animal for it to potentially be 
abused? Are you going to make the decision to re-bring Weimariners into the world because they're extinct and all the repercussions that come with that? So well, no, because people just, who are buying purebred Weimariners are they're, the argument's going to be like, oh, well, my puppies always go somewhere nice, so they're not going to be abused. Okay, but... <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of an irrelevant... My stance on it is that I understand loving a breed, but it's always going to be more important for me at the end of the day that dogs are not being abused and that dogs aren't being killed. So if I have to sacrifice not ever having a dog again, basically, because tomorrow all the dogs went extinct, except ones that are being bred, then you know what? Then I'm going to sacrifice not having a dog again. Because at the end of the day, the reason you want a dog most likely is for, you can argue, a selfish reason. Yeah. And yeah. But again, that's just not... No, I'm not... No, but I think it it is reasonable to say if we stopped breeding dogs that a certain breed would not be a thing anymore because there would only be, like, butts, maybe. Which is, which, okay, yeah, then... Yeah, so what? Yeah. Fall in love with the dog and not the breed. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Should that be the title? No, it's how much is that puppy in the window? All right, well, second title, title number two, fall in love with the dog and not the breed. Thanks for being nice on our podcast. to meet you, too. That is a cute little doggy. Oh, thanks. That's Russell. Yeah. He's my son. Oh. <laughs> Fur babies. <laughs> All right, so we'll just get started. You are our first, okay. well, and only breeder. Weim, how do you say that? Oh, okay. I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass myself. Weimarai. Weim lover. Weimaraners. Oh, I've been saying it wrong for my entire life. Okay, so I guess I'll just ask you, what kind of dog do you breed? Wait, wait, Abby. Do you want to what? explain what? that, like, like what we're gonna be doing, like the okay, format? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of did. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, you. No, I. You just interrupt me, and then <laughs> you don't want to explain it. Go, babe. We're just explain. gonna ask like questions, and then I, we're gonna go back and forth, basically. Me and her are gonna alternate. Who's asking the question? Okay. All right. So. What kind of dog do you breed? I um, breed Weimaraners. They are a dog that uh, has origins in Germany. And they are a hunting dog, bird dog, retriever, kind of a little bit of everything. Cool. I have definitely been saying Weimarimer. I've been saying Weimariner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a tongue twister. <laughs> um, so is the dog that you breed, um, the dog who's having the puppies, is she your family pet? Yes, actually, both. Um, well, I'm first of all, I'm no longer breeding. 
Um, I only bred them for three litters, but yes, they are both my family pets. The, the male and the female are both my family pets and I still own them and love them dearly. Aww. What are their names? Oh, wait, we have to be confidential. Never mind. Um, well, her dogs aren't confident. Yeah, no, they, they, they can sign a release form. <laughs> um, <laughs> my female is Winnie and her husband's name is Watson. Her husband. <laughs> <laughs> they have 19 children together. Oh my God. They have to be married. That's so funny. <laughs> they have a very family approach to this. Yeah. Good. Oh my God. Um, so how did you discover breeding, so to speak? Was it, you know, did you have an oops letter at first? Did you get the first one knowing you wanted to breed or like, how did, how did you get into it? It actually started, it started kind of as a sad story. Um, I got a Weimaraner um, and his name was Sarge and he was the love of my life. And he got hit by a car when he was two and it was devastating to me. I just couldn't barely get over it. And um, about a year later, I decided it was time to get another dog. And I got um, I got Winnie. I drove to um, a place in Pennsylvania that had her. And I'm glad I went because it was a horrible place. The man had the dogs outside in cages. And it was like March. And... It was just terrible. So I felt so good that I like felt like I rescued her from like a terrible breeder. And mm-hmm. um, so I got her and I brought her home and loved her. And um, and then uh, I just loved her so much that I got her husband, Watson, a year her later. <laughs> and then her husband. Yes. <laughs> and I hadn't had her fixed yet. So <laughs> they kind of, yeah, oops the first time uh-huh. and then they were just so cute <laughs> and I had so many people that contacted me and so many like great experiences with families and um to do it for them to do it again <laughs> that's cute where did you get um the husband I got the husband from um, another breeder, actually, that is in New York State, but up north. And she does more that, like I did, more of a family approach to breeding, where they're family pets, and they live in her home, and the puppies play in the house. And that is the approach that I take, or I took, you know, when I was breeding. They were family members and that when I was looking for someone to, you know, get one of the puppies or to come and make them part of their own family, I looked for, you know, potential families that had children that were old enough to understand the responsibility of dogs, people that weren't going to be working all the time because this breed especially needs a lot of exercise. They need a lot of room to run. People that really understood what the breed needed and were able to give the care and the love that 
the dog needed. Um, so, you know, it really grew out of this love for the, the animal, the breed itself was really kind of what happened is that from that very first dog that I had that I was crushed of losing, I wanted to give other people that same love experience of that love that I had. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, is it my turn? Oh, no. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. You're right. You're right. Um, <clears throat> so did you ever have a situation where not all of the puppies were purchased? And did you kind of plan for that to potentially happen? So the very first litter that she had, the oops litter, one did not find a home. And we kept him for almost a year until we found him a home. Okay. And at that point, um, we just gave him away because we wanted him to have a good home. And we we kept him until we found him an appropriate place. And he actually lives on a huge farm outside Oneonta um, with a man that has like a farm stand and he grows corn. And um, it was just like a perfect fit. Like, I'm glad that we waited to find the best place for him. Like there was another gentleman that took a, um, a dog from that first litter and he was an older gentleman, like 70, mid 70s. And he was concerned if anything were to happen to him, getting a dog at that elder age of, you know, the older age, that if something happened, what would happen to his dog? And I told him that it didn't matter what I would always take the dog back, no matter what age it was at, that he didn't have to worry about you know, that I would always, the dog would always have a home with us. We would always find another home to place her with. And unfortunately he did end up passing away six oh. months later. I know it was so sad because he was in love with the dog. He was showing her um, at dog shows. She had won all these prizes, um, but the family brought her to us and we, we held on to her for a few weeks until they decided, you know, if someone in the family was going to take her or what they were going to do. And, you know, I was fully willing to keep her and, and find a new home for her, you know. Um, but the family decided that, you know, someone else in the family was going to take her. And I talked to them about everything that needed to be, you know, taken care of. And we transferred the papers. And um, so I'm fully involved in the life afterwards too. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a, a Facebook page where, all my families keep in touch Aww. and, you know, they send pictures and updates and I have a family that lives in Louisiana that send me pictures and videos. And so, I mean, it really has always been like this family, like loving approach to, to the breeding, you know, it really was just, I just wanted to pass on my love of the breed. It was yeah. never a money-making situation. I mean, it was really just cover the cost of the vet bills and the, you know, what the puppies ate. And, you know, it was just for love of the breed. Did you end up making a profit ever? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, not too much. Um, but, you know, enough. I don't, I don't know if you 
if I should say how much. I don't know. I mean, if you, yeah, if you, <laughs> it if wasn't, you'd like it to wasn't enough yeah. to claim on my tax. Okay. I mean, maybe um, maybe about like $100 each litter, which one hundred I mean, not each litter? Not that much. 1500 Oh, Oh, sorry. Okay, I misheard you. You know, 1000 1500 a litter, you know, after all like the bills were paid to the vets and um, the mother's bills and the shots and the food and yeah it's a it's a big undertaking yeah because <laughs> I did you know take them to the vets and um you know all I when as soon as they were born I took them in I took them in for all their shots for their wormings for their you know checkups to be weighed um you know I wanted to make sure that I had healthy puppies I mean that yeah. you know I wasn't just farming them out you know, I really wanted to, I mean, I care about animals very much and I just wanted to make sure that they were healthy, you know, and I had the, I had like, you know, contracts with people. If there was any kind of health problems, I would pay for them. I, I had, you know, contracts like that, that if there was any kind of defects or, you know, stuff like that to cover medical costs. And so I tried to do it the right way. I mean, but it was hard. It was hard. It was like a little small business. And I, you know, after three, three litters, that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, have you made any alterations to the puppies to conform to any breed standards that they might have? Yes. Yes. Um, the, uh, because a lot of people use this breed for hunting, um, and just because the area that I live in is very uh, rural and a lot of, a lot of, um, I didn't guarantee my dogs for show, but for a lot of them are for hunting and, and birding. Um, they do, um, to the breed, it is standard for them to crop the tails, um, which they do at two days old. Um, but I did take them to a veterinarian that did do like some of them don't do um, anesthesia for them, but I did take them to a vet that did do that. Um, I know some people, some breeders actually just do it at home and cut their tails off themselves, which I think is unfair. Um, but I took them to a vet that actually did do anesthesia on them and crop the tails to the AKC regulations because they were. Um, they're registered AKC puppies. Okay. Oh, so without doing that, they they can't be registered. Right. Yeah, they have to be. They have to meet the regulations of the American mm. Kennel Club. Interesting. Jinx. Jinx, oh, <laughs> Jinx again. <laughs> okay, my turn. So, is there any course or like test um, certification that you have to take? to have like a breeding license in New York? No, um, but actually I uh, was trained as a veterinary assistant. So I already had a background in veterinary services. So that's kind of how I got into this. I didn't kind of get into it willy nilly. Um, I worked at several different veterinarians in um, Niskayuna and in Colony um, for years 
probably a total of five or six years, I already had a lot of veterinary experience and knowledge being a veterinary assistant. So I kind of had that background already. Um, I don't particularly know if there's any special kind of breeders like certificate or course that you can take. I don't know. And then so, so you don't have to have like a, a, a background in genetics. It's just kind of like, like anyone can do it. Basically. No, no, I, just, I, I, I assume, I mean, I mean, you see it all the time in the newspapers, you know, people are just breeding their dogs, you know, um, with my two dogs, like they both had to be AKC registered purebred dogs for me to breed them together for them to have AKC registered puppies. Mm -hmm. So they're purebred dogs. They had to, you know, like their line, their lineage had to be verified for me to call them purebred. Both of the parents then, you had paperwork on the parents? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I have paperwork on both the parents. Yep. Okay, cool. So how do you choose your applicants? Just like, I mean, people reached out to you. Is there any specific like criteria? A lot of it was like, um, people would contact me and I would add, do like a phone interview and ask them questions about like, have they ever had a dog before? I'd ask them for the name and address of like phone number of their veterinarian and check with their veterinarian, make sure like if they've had a dog before, you know, did they bring it in regularly? Were they, you know, was their dog always up to date on shots, you know, or that kind of stuff. Um, also, like, did they have own their own home, you know, rather than a rental? Mm -hmm. um, did they have a fenced yard? Were they planning on doing like an invisible fence? Um, what kind of training, like housebreaking, were they planning on creating the dog? Or, you know, what, you know, what kind of like, had they thought this through? Like, really, like, that's kind of where I was trying to get to with all the questions. Like, had they really thought it through or was it oh let's get a puppy yeah you know yeah were they married did they have jobs um you know did they have little kids because little kids can sometimes not be good around dogs mm -hmm. um teenagers you know or like so it was just kind of trying to get a feel for the people and I'd usually have like a good hour conversation with people on the phone oh, wow. and then I would have them I would invite them over to the house to meet the puppies and then kind of feel them out again and see how they interacted with the puppies. And then if I felt good about them, I would tell them that, you know, that they could leave a deposit if they were interested. And if I didn't feel good about them, I'd tell them there was a waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. So... <laughs> It kind of was that way. I mean, like, you know, some people you get a feel like, you know, they're animal lovers and some people, you know, are just sketchy. Like, yeah. you're just not sure. Like, I did have one person come and he definitely was looking for a female that he wanted to breed to make money. Mm. And that, you know, that's like right in my contract that they have to be spayed and neutered. Like they oh, okay. are not like for breeding purposes. Yeah. It's written right in my contract. Um, they have to be spayed and neutered. Um, now that's interesting. So, and that I can take them back if you would think that, or I guess I would think 
that because you love the breed and you wanted to give back, what is it? Or I guess, why did you make the decision to, yeah. Yeah, I know it's kind of hypocritical. Um, I guess, I don't know. Like, I don't trust strangers to do the right thing, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, God, I don't know. That is hypocritical. That's a really, that I placed puppies with were families of friends of friends or like there was a fam two families with children with autism so they were like they wanted like a companion for their children there was a military family um another woman that had just got back from Iraq that was looking for you know a companion you know getting to know the people and their stories it was like the right fit for them but they weren't for like, I didn't want them. I wanted the, them to have the puppy for a companion, not for a breed, not to breed. Like I was trying to, to give them a f experience of a family companion, not another, not a breeding experience. I mean, Does yeah, make it makes sense? sense to me, no, no. but I wanted them to have a family member, uh, like an addition to their family, like another member of their family to love, not not a breeder Did because you, but they had meant so much to me as part of my family since I've gotten my, both my dogs fixed. Okay. So did Sarah got disconnected by the way? Um, it's okay. We'll just, Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. She's just gone. We don't need her though. Um, we don't need her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then would you say, you, so you said you wanted them to be part of the family, not like a breeder. Did, so did you feel that yours weren't part of your family or like, do you just, you don't trust other people to do it the right way or like you're just, like what? <sighs> well, I mean, I definitely felt like those puppies were part of our family. Let me tell you, <laughs> because they were running all over our house all the time. And, you know, they were like having newborns, you know, taking care of them and cleaning up after them and feeding them and, you know, making sure that the, you know, uh, it, it was, they were family. Um, and, um, I guess I just didn't want them to be used. And I guess it just got to the point where like my, my female, she find with her third litter, she, she had problems cause it was too big of a litter. She had eight in her last litter and it was just too much for her. And, um, and I told her, this is it, sweetie. I, I'm not, we're not going to do this anymore. And, um, and so I just had her fixed and I promised her she'd get her bikini body back and mm -hmm. she's all slim and trim now and <laughs> happy. And I mean, she loved being a mother. Um, she was really good with her puppies. Um, but I think, you know, she's just happy to be herself again. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, God, I mean, it's, gosh, you're good. Um, <laughs> that is a really hard question. I guess you're right. I just didn't, I didn't trust other people to not become that breeder that I got my girl from to become like that, that guy that I saw with the cages outside in those snow. I didn't want to not be able to check on my dogs. Mm -hmm. Like 
all of my fa- almost all of my families are on my website are on my Facebook and I can check in on them and talk to them and they send pictures. I didn't want to not be able to know what happened to my dogs and if somebody bred them I wouldn't know what happened to those puppies. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's that's pretty much what it is. Okay. I didn't want them to be mistreated in any way. Yeah. All right. So we know you turned a buyer away. Yep. You allowed the buyers to the parents and the entire litter. Um, you do, you encourage the buyers into your home. Oh yeah, with... and some of them came back. A couple okay. Of times. Do you attempt to match families with specific puppies? Oh yeah, yeah. There were certain certain puppies. Yeah, I would if they spent enough time with the puppies, they would kind of choose each other. But some people would tell me. I want one that's laid back or I want one that's rambunctious or I want, you know, so I would keep track. I'd had colored collars on them. So I knew who was who. And I would call like, this one is blue. This one's red. This one's pink. So they'd have names by color. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would know which one, like everybody had their own personality and like, you know, pink was sweet and lovable and blue was lazy. And, you know, like, so we'd know like the personalities of each of the puppies because we spent so much time with them. I mean, after a tough day of coming home and sitting down pile of puppies, I mean, there is nothing like that. <laughs> did you have like specific socialization goals for them or did you just kind of like p- do play? And Yeah, I mean, we, dad was around, you know, dad came in and out. Mom, um, mom was always with them. Um, and uh, like we had toys for them and, um, you know, we encouraged them to play with each other and, there was other like little neighborhood dogs that my dogs played with. So they were socialized with them. Um, and, you know, they were, once they were able to, like we had one room that we pretty much kept them in until they were like strong enough to like start exploring a little bit more. And then we kind of let them out into another room and they'd explore a little bit more, but you know, they, they had rope toys, they had chew toys, they had um, balls with bells in them. They had, Uh, The balls with the, like, you hide the treats in, you know, for, like, you know, that cognitive stuff where they're, you know, working at something. Um, You know, yeah, I mean, we tried to give them little things to help them grow and learn. And How old are the puppies when you allow them to go to the new homes? Oh, eight weeks. Um, What would you say are, like, red flags of a bad breeder besides the obvious what you what you mentioned about that it sounded like a puppy mill uh, yeah um definitely someone that is you know you just isn't asking those questions like isn't asking do you have a vet do you have a you know a um fenced yard do you you know somebody that's just like uh yep it's four hundred dollars here somebody that just wants to do the transaction and isn't looking out for the welfare of the animal um, that right off the bat is a bad sign for me. Um, somebody that is just looking for the money, they're just, th- that's just a bad, I mean, I just can't imagine somebody just doing that for here, handing over a, a life and saying, give me the money and here you go. Um, that's just bad. Um, also I think it's, that's why I invited people into my home is cleanliness um, we always kept everything clean. We mm-hmm. cleaned four times a day at least. You know, I 
anytime anybody made a little mess, everything was cleaned. It was always, it never smelled, which was really difficult to keep, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, everything was always cleaned. Um, yeah, it was really hard. Um, but you know, it was in our home, so you don't want your home to smell. So, no, you know, that's, not. you know, you're always cleaning. Um, so cleanliness, you know, the puppies are clean. The mother is clean. The, you know, the bed, the bedding is clean. Um, I mean, that's a big thing. Also, you know, that they give shots and that they have proof that they've been to a veterinarian. I mean, you definitely want to make sure that your puppy is, is healthy before you, you know, before you take it, before you make that transaction. So you would say if they don't or, let you, you know, somebody that wants home. to just meet you in a parking lot. Right. Okay, yeah. If they don't let you come saying. see, you know, the puppy or they just want to meet you in a parking lot, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll meet you at, uh, you know, the shop and save uh, parking lot and give you the puppy. Like uh, that's, that's sketchy. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot to ask. Do you send families home with information about puppy care? I give them a lot of information um, already. I give them the shot records and I all, I make sure that they have their own vet before they, they leave so that they know where they're taking them. And I tell them that they need to get, um, they have to have the puppy checked within 10 days um, of, of taking them from me just to make sure that it's healthy, you know, cause if there's anything wrong, then I'll take care of it or, you know, I'll take them back or whatever, but they have to have it, you know, like a, I don't know, like a lemon law kind of thing. You know, <laughs> they have to have the pup puppy health checked within the first 10 days. Mm -hmm. um, and then since it's eight weeks, um, three months is when they have to get their first rabies vaccination. So they have to take them back again for their first rabies vaccination just a month later. So they have to be set up with with a, a vet right away. So I make sure that they have that set up before they leave. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I give usually send them home with, because they're already on some warming medicine and there's usually another last dose of warming medicine that they have to take. So I send them home with that, um, their contract, um, what kind of food, um, usually a bag of food that they've been already on in case they choose to change the diet. Um, I tell them that they need to mix the two foods together so that there's a smooth transition to the new food so that they don't get diarrhea. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I give them a lot of information, you know, on, on what to do with the new puppy first, but, you know, first and foremost is that they really need to check in with their vet. Okay. Now. Okay. So you said you were in love with the breed. Did you have any dogs before you got uh, Sarge, the Weimar, Weimar, the I, W dog. Weimar, yes. <laughs> I did, yes. Um, I had a dog that I adopted from the shelter. Um, she was a wonderful, wonderful dog. And um, what kind? She was Sorry. my first dog that I ever had. She was just a, a mutt. I just got her from the shelter. She was like um, a lab and maybe border collie mix or something. She looked like a cow. But you didn't feel that same, I guess, connection or, or specialness with her that you did with Sarge? Oh, oh no. I loved her to death. I had portraits taken with her, <laughs> formal portraits taken with her. I made, like, matching bows. Like, I made myself a dress and a matching bow to put around her neck. 
Like, oh yes, no, I loved that dog. Loved that dog. She slept with me. Yes, I took her in the car with me. Yes, I adored that dog. But then I had kids. And so I didn't have a dog for a very long time until I had Sarge. He was everything to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think the the connection was in part because of the breed or or the the love for the breed came just like as a a homage to him i yes yep definitely definitely it was like i i needed to make more sarges okay yep i needed to make more sarges for more people so that they could feel that love yep okay i'm gonna cry now oh that's exactly what it was yeah now, did you ever look into a research? Now I'm going off script. Breed specific rescues at all? I do. I did. Um, and there is a, a, a New York State Weimaraner rescue. Um, and there is a one in Florida that is huge. Um, and I almost, almost drove to Florida. I tried to get my parent. My parents live in Florida half of the year. And I tried to get them to get me a Weimaraner down there and bring it up to me. But they wouldn't. And, and, um, I do, um, I do give, I give money to the Weimaraners, the New York Weimaraner one. Um, so, uh, you know, I help out, I help them out as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I think if, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of them out there that need help. And I think now like that, and I think that was another reason why I stopped, you know, after I, I did my like little homage to, <laughs> to Sarge and I made some families happy. And now I think, you know, I, I was like, okay, now, you know, there's enough animals that need homes as it is. So we're going to, we're going to stop this. We've made 19 extra dogs in the world and we've made 19 ha- happy families, but um, it's time to, it's time to stop and maybe help some other, other animals in other ways. So yes, I am part of that New York Weimaraner rescue. And so I think that that whole Weimaraner thing was like, a, I don't know, it was a, um, a healing of my heart, I guess. <laughs> mm. So now, now that you've, you know, been reflecting and enlightened by all of my Facebook posts, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Do you regret breeding at all or do you regret any, do you regret any of it? <sighs> yeah, I, I know. I know where you're coming from. Um, I know there's so many animals that need homes and so many that lose their lives because they don't get homes. So in that respect, yes. Um and like I said, that that was another reason why I said I have to stop this because I'm just adding to the problem. Um, but also in a way, it was a way for me to grieve for my lost dog and to maybe bring some joy to some other people, um, which is selfish. Um, 
but uh, there's I can't undo it now. But it's done. It's done now. And um, I did make some children happy and some families happy. And um, I guess, uh, you know, I brought some happiness to some people. And now I'll, you know, turn around and try to give back and help some other Weimaraners in the world. Well, good. That That's very... I like that. Maybe do that in Sarge's name. <laughs> do that yeah. in Sarge, yeah. So would you consider getting your next, you know, in, in 50 years when Winnie and Watson um, pass, uh, maybe 100? I don't know. Years, I hope that, yes. Yeah. Uh, would you consider getting your next Weimaraner from <laughs> a rescue? Or do you plan, do you think you'll get from another breeder? Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Definitely. Most definitely from a rescue next time. Yep. Interesting. Definitely. Cause you know, they pop up on my, on my, my Facebook page, you know, I, I have the, the rescues um, on my Facebook page and they pop up and I say, Oh, that poor baby, you know, like, especially like, you know, Tennessee and some of those States where they just don't respect animals the way some the people should you know yeah. and just read the stories about these animals and it's just heartbreaking heartbreaking but yes definitely next time around is definitely another rescue or shelter dog like my first one now let me ask you this when you see people posting like uh for example if, if you were to see pretend you didn't know me and I posted like I was breeding my dog and I was selling them like how would that just for gut reaction like what do you think would be your gut reaction um I guess I guess it would be like why um like I guess with me it was also in a way like there aren't any Weimaraners around here. Like that was another, like, like the interest in the breed was part of it. Like a lot of people didn't know about it. So, you know, not only like the love for the breed, but like getting people to know what the breed was like. Um, but when, when I see people like breeding, like labs, like there's a million labs in shelters. Yeah. Like, there's no need to be breeding labs like I don't know what else Pomeranians or you know the little tiny dogs the little Shih Tzus and stuff like that like or mutts, there's a million like, of those little literally dogs like I, I mean I feel bad like pit bulls yeah people like, the pay pit bull money mixes that are put down all yeah people pay yeah. money for them it's like yep. what are you doing and literally you could go to the shelter and get 12 of them any day <laughs> yes <laughs> And they are the sweetest animals. They are mm -hmm. the sweetest. Just, I don't know, Abby. <laughs> you're good at this. <laughs> so I'm going to law school. You're making me think. <laughs> All right. You're putting me on the spot. I know. We're, we're going to have to get, like, a, somebody who doesn't come off so, like, nice. Because, like, now people are going to be like, oh, breeders are so nice. we got to get somebody, like. Oh, no. <laughs> We got to get like a mean person or something. No, I'm just kidding. That's like, buy my animals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm nice. Yeah. Right. Um, no, this is good because um, 
I mean, I, I just love, I love my dogs. Like, yeah, of course. I mean, nobody doubts that you love or I got anybody. rid of my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. My God. I mean, I got, I got rid of my husband and I got, I got dogs now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's a deep rooted issue. Like you said, you, you wanted to take Sarge because he was in such a bad place like that. That's where it starts. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was, like I said, it was about self healing too. Uh, I, I went into such a deep depression after he died. Um, that the puppies just made me happy and made, made me feel life again. Um, and that, that helped so much. And then making other people yeah. feel happy again. I think that's definitely unique. I think most people are just doing it. Yeah, I think my situation was definitely a unique breeding situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not your typical. Right. Yeah. Okay, let me stop this. Yeah, so basically, like, um, I thought we did a really good job picking our interviewees. I do, too. Um, everybody had, like, kind of a different story and then, like, the same undertones to it. Like, y you know, it all goes back to these, like, insidious puppy mills that start this issue and then, like, it just keeps going, 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 going. Well, and I think actually, like, none of our interviewees were really those dramatic, blatantly obvious puppy mill stories. None of them got their puppy from a puppy store. Um, Steve, you know, his puppy was obviously from a puppy mill, but the other, but the, and the breeder, she, her first Sarge. Yeah. But like the other two, um, individuals, their puppies were just from local, breeding situations which is pretty common also yeah super common um so yeah let's just cut to the chase here cut to it so even though you know these puppies and you know the breeder that we interviewed their puppies were from pretty much ideal in my opinion breeding situations where yeah locally bred and you know the parents are in the home we're not talking about a puppy mill yeah maybe the pe people didn't do all of the socialization and work on potty training and all of that stuff but you know not puppy mills not large breeding operations still the bottom line here is that there are dogs in shelters literally dying every single day because of us because of humans because we created them and continue to create them and mm -hmm. we don't have enough room for them. And to create more of something that we're killing because there's too much of them is just, is just wrong. I think people get caught up in, oh, it's just, it's just one puppy. He's so cute. She's so cute. Like I'm only paying 200 bucks. That's definitely what it is. Full breeder nothing i'm not supporting a puppy mill you're right you're not supporting a puppy mill 
but what you're doing is taking a home away from a shelter dog is what you're doing. You know, you are giving money to someone who is probably going to do it again. And by you choosing to get a puppy from them and not a dog from a shelter, you're, you're perpetuating an issue. And this is how, this is why animals die. Yeah. If you, if like, we can't, we can't, we can't have the conversation about breeding and, and breeds until every single shelter is empty. And that's just a luxury that we simply can't, uh, we can't afford. Like we cannot have like quite, you know, custom dogs until we fix this problem. Like it's just, that's what people most commonly say. Oh, if we stop breeding, then we're not going to have golden retrievers. We're not going to have Dalmatians. Okay. We are so far away from that right now that we can't even talk about that until every homeless dog has a home. Then maybe we can have the conversation about maybe breeding. I don't know. We can, we can enter the conversation, but right now, in the U.S. alone, there are tens of thousands of dogs dying every single day. Then let's think about the world. Like, we are not even near close to having that conversation yet. So until we're there, eh, we're not there. We're not there. And, like, okay, yeah, if you can't find a breed that you want in your area... Then, like, okay. Look at the reason why you want a certain breed. You know, you want a hypoallergenic breed, right? That doesn't mean you need poodle mix. There are other hypoallergenic dogs. Um, you know, and a lot of it is just about patience, you know? Um, I think people need to get away from this. I need a puppy. Because I think that might be... I mean, maybe if we stop that mentality will fix a lot of these issues because, you know, people will say, I want a poodle and okay, here's a poodle rescue. Oh, they're all five years old. They're, they're going to die in one day. Like you realize five-year-old dog is still have 10 years of life left to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, like, don't get me wrong. Puppies are cute. I love puppies, but it's true that like, Oh, I like that bird in the background. <laughs> Sorry. No, I like it there. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we talked about this before when we were talking to the pit bull owner. Um, you know, the appeal of having a puppy to people is that, oh, I'm raising it. I get to, you know, I get to raise this puppy. He's going to be good with my kids. He's going to be good in... I'm raising the puppy, you know, he's going to be fine because that famous quote that everybody likes to use, it's all in how you raise them. Well, guess what? No, it's not. Ask any person who studies behavior. It is not just about nature and it's not just about nurture. It's nature and nurture. Some dogs are hardwired to be a certain way. And yes, socialization can help, but you, you have to do both of those things. And when you get a puppy at eight weeks old from a breeder that you know nothing about that was shipped to you on a plane, like you don't, the critical period of socialization is the first 12 to 16 weeks. When you get a puppy at eight weeks old, 10 weeks old from a breeder, 
they had the puppy for more than half of that critical socialization period. So that's super important. I think people overlook that. Um, well, and, and, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, so your dog. We, yeah, we did talk about this. Okay. <laughs> you get, you, whatever, I'm just going to say it again. Say it. If you adopt a, you buy a puppy at eight weeks old, you don't know how that puppy is going to turn out. You can do everything perfect. You can do everything by the books. You can do all your research and you can still end up with a puppy that is genetically hardwired to be a certain way. And it's going to take a lot of whatever, whatever you go to a shelter and you adopt an adult dog and by adult, no, it doesn't have to be five, six, seven, ten 10 years old. An adult dog, a year or two years old. Yeah, people people and, think that one is is ancient, like a senior citizen. One or two, you're out of puppyhood. They're still you have their whole lives, but they're still but they're but they're not. Sarah, I wouldn't say they're out of puppyhood. I really wouldn't. Okay, two. They're out of the. They're out so, of the, like critical period. But they're like literally. I would say one two is still a puppy in terms of behavior. <sighs> Because because you have people getting one and two year olds and thinking that they're grown ups and can be they're not a, they're not a, no they're not an infant puppy that's going to be pissing and shitting all over your carpet for a month right that's no thing that's going to be nipping you in your clothes and being an annoying puppy eh. so no, no, not at one yeah not I disagree old puppy okay well I don't oh my god you're such a bitch. Not as it, a one-year-old dog is not going to be biting you and chewing your house up the way an eight-week-old puppy is going to be. But a one-year-old puppy is almost like worse because they're uh, higher energy. They're bigger. Like it's not like, like a one-year-old puppy is not calm by any means. And I think that people literally think that once they're one year old, they're done. They're like grown-ups. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the appeal of getting an eight-week-old puppy, because it's cute, you're in for the piranha stage of this dog I was just dealing with, who's 10 weeks old, who's literally a piranha. She's a piranha. And she's not catching on to potty training because she's 10 weeks old. And it takes a while. But if your dog is a little older than that eight-week-old puppy that you want because it's so cute and you wait until they're a year or two years or three years old, even at a year old, if you wait that little extra time, it's not a piranha. Its brain is more developed than a 10-week-old puppy, and it's going to be a little easier than dealing with an infant. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, but probably, like, th- I'd say three mm, four three or four would be like perfect yeah that's what I. oh my god you see she does this all the time that's what i was saying like i think if you're looking for a dog that's not gonna be a puppy or and acting like a puppy doing the negative things you want as a puppy don't get a one-year-old dog it's still gonna be hyper and you're gonna have to like run a marathon with him in the morning and at night. You can't get a dog that's one year old and expect him to. I don't know. Yeah. Now, let's talk about 
uh, the breed standards? Yeah, so, you know, these, quote, breed standards. My he came with his papers. He has his papers. What are you, what do you mean by that? That doesn't mean anything. And these breed standards, honestly, I don't really know. Like, they're from years and years and years ago. And they don't, they're all just, it's about show dogs and how show dogs should present in a ring and what, you know, we're looking at a lab and it's a male. So his chest height should be this and his tail should be this length. And his, why, why does that matter for our purposes or any purposes, but especially our purposes of being pet owners? That doesn't matter. And in order for these, you know, dogs to be registered, like AKC registered and come with their papers, they need to conform to these standards, which in a lot of cases, unfortunately, means ear cropping and tail docking. For what? Conform to a standard that means nothing in terms of, that has no practical purposes except showing your dog in a show ring to judges that are based, what? It just makes, I don't even get it. I don't even get it. Do you get it? No. And like, that's another conversation for people who do that. But for like our pet owner purposes, none of that matters. So yeah. like you, 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 your dog, you docked your dog's tail. Well, you didn't because, because you're not the breeder. Oh, but yeah. Like, yeah, like you're still supporting that because you chose to buy a dog. And it's like, okay, how much of a dog's communication happens through their tail? A lot. Mm. Like, a lot. And I'm sorry. Like, that's just, it's, 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 you know, if y'all turn, tuned into our circumcision episode <laughs> where we dive into, like, consent and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to say that you can't take an animal's fucking body part away from it. Like, you just, then why would you do that? Yeah. And, like, ear cropping. Like, at least tail docking, they do for, like, hunting dogs. Yeah, I don't get that. Why? So, so I think it's so that the tail doesn't, like, swish in the trees and make a ruckus. Really? I think so. Like, I think there was a purpose. Yeah, but... But the ear cropping, I don't... The only purpose, what, to make your dog look mean? Yeah. I'm confused. Tough. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think about all the people that, that like have bought dogs. I'm trying to think of like their circumstance. Okay, so the person I was just with, <laughs> they just wanted a puppy, put it in a little Google search, um, admitted that this puppy was from an Amish breeder in oh, Jesus. They never visited the place. They never met the people. They never met the parents. They never met the siblings. The dog was shipped to them. Well, driven to them. So that, what? <laughs> you know, um, in all of the circumstances of why people chose to buy 
there's no reason why they couldn't have rescued a dog. Mm -hmm. The most common thing we hear, did we talk about this? I want a good family dog. Did we talk Mm -hmm. about Um, not really. Okay. So, you know, when I take a history, when I'm working with people and I ask people why they chose to get a dog, blah, blah, blah. Why did you choose this breed? I usually ask. And people always say, I wanted a good family dog. Literally, probably 99.9%. That's what people say. So, okay, you want a good family dog. So you got a dog from a random Amish breeder in Pennsylvania that you didn't meet and that's giving you a good family dog? You want a good family dog so you read an ad in a penny saver? Hmm? You want a good family dog so you went online and got your dog shipped to you from where? Utah? There has only been one instance where the family wanted a good family dog because it was their first dog and they went to the breeder's house and they met the parents and they met the siblings and they chose which one they wanted. That was only one person that I know of that did that. Yeah. And the dog's actually an angel. Yeah. It's like you can't. (sighs) You know, like most of them don't. The, the, what I think the appeal to getting a dog from a breeder is, is the fact that you can meet the parents and meet the siblings, you know, and see how these people, how these breeders are raising their puppies and that they're doing all the body handling and the socialization and exposing them to all these things. Right. Like that's the appeal to me. Mm. Like that's what I see, you know, like, okay, you get, you have the opportunity to get a dog that was brought up perfectly and you met the parents and you know that the parents have good genetics because you met them and you know that they're they have a good personality and you met the 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 siblings and you sat down with them and you chose the one you wanted like that I see but I I never I've never except that one family I've never encountered anybody that actually did that And, you know, it's like, I, I think a lot of people breed dogs that they fell in love with, like this specific dog, and think that that dog is going to somehow, I don't know, <laughs> like, live on its legacy. Yeah. Um, and I think... If you like puppies and, and the breeding process, you can always be a foster parent to a pregnant or a nursing animal. They always need people to do that. Yeah. Yes. You know. Um, or you like puppies. Like, say you like puppies. You want a puppy. Okay. Puppies need, like, you don't have to go and get an adult dog if you really want a puppy. You know? There's there's literally, there's no reason for try to think of a reason that people want to say why. Um, you want oh, to but say- my friend, but my friend's dog just had puppies. Okay. 
So your friend's dog didn't just, you know, have puppies. Um, the dog wasn't spayed. The other dog wasn't neutered. And, like, they let them. You know what my favorite is? When people say my friend's dog just had puppies. And the what? puppies are, like, a purebred. Yeah. So what do you mean? You obviously did that on purpose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They had puppies. Okay, so by that logic, like, it was a freak accident. Your dog got out. So it would be, like, a mutt or something. No. It's always it's always a yellow lab. Or a golden retriever, yeah. Yeah, they just had puppies. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, okay. Um, someone I know wants to breed his dog because he wants his children to um, <laughs> experience the miracle of life. What? Yeah. Oh, so he wants his kids to see... So then get a foster dog who's a pregnant foster dog. And also, like, you know, I never... Watch a YouTube clip. ...give birth in real life. And, like, I think I appreciate dogs still. So I don't think you need to do that. Um, But, yeah, foster a pregnant mama dog. Foster a litter of puppies that are too young to be put up for adoption yet. Like... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that there's one, like, oh, but... I, like, my friend's dog is, like, the perfect dog, and so I want, like, my dog to be one of her puppies. Okay, um. That's not how biology works. Yeah, it's just like what we said before. Like, you don't know how the puppy's gonna end up, and you know what? You like your friend's dog, make a list of her traits, and then go to your local shelters and tell them that these are the traits you're looking for and they'll match you with somebody or put you on a list you know I think that would be helpful for people to do like actually articulate instead of just saying I want a golden retriever right write down Mm. like why why do you want a golden retriever okay you think they're cute you like that they're friendly with people you like whatever make a list Mm -hmm. and then you like that's what you want and that's what's important to you it's not the fact that it's a golden retreat realize and also realize that all again just like what you were just talking about biology is a thing genetics is a thing uh every dog is an individual so guess what you can buy a golden retriever puppy and have these traits in your mind right friendly with other dogs friendly with people easygoing calm right you have that in your head because that's like generally true. Okay. Every do- what what if your golden retriever puppy grows up to not be like that? <laughs> you know, that's why you're better off getting an adult dog. Like I don't know. I don't know. In my in my experience, like it's hard to say like this breed is whatever because there's just you can't say that you know like generally speaking I guess yeah but there's always outliers you know but Sarah Pipples are definitely the most aggressive breed ever oh my god um no but I think I think a bigger issue maybe is like shelters versus breeder people really think that there's only two ways to get a dog like there's other ways to get a dog besides um a shelter and besides a breeder 
like rescue groups that are not affiliated with a government agency, um, private adoptions, pet finder, rehomes, like, you know, people who got a puppy and then they had a baby. So now they want to rehome their dog. Um, people who, who old people who die and now the family's trying to relocate the dog. You know, there's like a lot of different ways to get dogs. So I think uh, we need to maybe like help educate on how you can go about finding yourself a dog. That's not, if you are, I don't want to go to a shelter ever. Um, fine. Okay. But you don't need to go to a breeder. Yeah. And I think like perception about what a shelter is like the kennels and all of the dogs are like freaking out and like it's just insanity, you know, and depressed. That's not how it is anymore. Like Mm-mm. there are some like that, but like the ones, you know, the standard shelters still are so much different than they were probably 10 years ago. Like the animals are they're walked every day like there's people on this you know like it's it's not just dogs living in cages anymore um the rescue that i like to volunteer at keeps their dogs in a daycare setting and mm-hmm. i think that's the way a lot of um shelters are moving towards like um well especially with cats um they're doing more like colony living now You know, instead of the standard, like, cats are in cages all day. Yeah. They like to have them, like, in rooms. The cats that are friendly with other cats, obviously. But um, they're looking... I was reading an article about how that's, like, the better... I don't know. The better way to have dogs even housed in small group settings. Where people can, like, go in and sit with them. Um. Yeah, so, like, it's not just, like, gloom and doom when you go to a shelter, you know? I think that's what people picture, like, oh, I gotta go to a shelter and, like, Well, there's also the shelter component that we're gonna work on in our nonprofit that we just started. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, (laughs) no, shelters just have sticks up their butts. Yeah, I think shelters have a lot of, you know, growing to do, and, um, yeah, and also, like, there's always like, you know, adoption coordinators at these shelters that you can talk to to say that you're interested. You know, you don't have to just go in and just be completely overwhelmed with 50 dogs staring at you. You know, mm-hmm. like talk to them, make that little list of what's important to you. Oh, let's put let's make a template for that and put it under resources. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Yes, I think that's a good idea. And then people, you know, can... It really will make you, I think, help people, like, figure out what's actually really important to them. You know, because I'm sure if you say, like, oh, why do you want a golden retriever? To a lot of people, they won't be able to articulate why. Yeah. Which is going to get them in trouble later, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Well, guys, we look forward to having a really, you know, great discussion with none of you because nobody listens. <laughs> but seriously, if you have any comments, if you want to share your story with a breeder, maybe you had a different, more positive experience, we would love mm-hmm. to. That. Yeah. And if you disagree with us, um, 
let us know. Like if it's really, if you feel strongly about breeding and why it's okay and you think you're going to get your next dog from a breeder, please let us know. Because like I am, I am curious. Yeah, but be ready with some facts. Yeah, like if you listen to this and you're still like, no, I'm definitely still getting my dog from a breeder. Hit us up. Hit us yeah, up. please. No, but like I don't mean that like meanly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I want to know. Like, like I want to know like what you're like what. Because it's interesting. Every single person said they would get from a rescue next time, even the breeder. <laughs> yeah. And like um, Steve. Mm-hmm. mentioned that he didn't outwardly say no I'm definitely not getting from it either um, so I'd be curious to see like if he listened to this and um, changed his mind mm-hmm. mm-hmm. alright guys check out our website unrelated to the podcast pauseclawsprotectors.org <laughs> um mm-hmm. And that's a wrap. Woohoo. Season two, baby.